as you open your Bible and let it automatically fall open to Matthew 5, <laughs> as we continue with the Beatitudes, we're into number 9. And as you're doing that, I'd like to tell you a little bit about when I went to Israel in 1996. So it was a couple of years ago. And uh, we, uh, we went on kind of the economy version. There was, I think there were six of us that went with our guide who was actually our missionary, Stephen McMath, his father, uh, who has, has done various trips to, to there, and he, he would take smaller groups of, of students and or graduates from uh, what was at that time Inland Empire School of the Bible. Then it became Moody Northwest and, and other things. But anyway, he, so we, there was just a small group of us, and we didn't have your normal places to stay. One time we stayed at this awesome, like the world's most fantastic luxury hotel and, and on these beautiful grounds with the largest swimming pool I've ever seen that was, was it, it didn't, it, it was the water in it was, it was like a flow through for the headwaters of the Jordan River. You know, it was way up north. And we said, how did we get this place? And he said, well, most tourists don't want to come here because we're within lobbing range of missiles from Syria. <laughs> and so, you know, we were expendable, I guess, but nothing, nothing bad happened uh, while we were there. And, uh, and another time we stayed in Jerusalem in, uh, I did a couple nights in this place that uh, a kibbutz can be any one of a large number of different things. It's basically a, a co-op for uh, money-making co commune uh, of a group of people like-minded. And a lot of times it's a farm or something like that. But this kibbutz was a, in a basically an apartment building, like a uh, kind of like a, something between a hotel and a retirement home for retired Jews, for retired German-speaking Jews. Okay, so in 1996, uh, we were about uh, 50 years after World War II, retired German-speaking Jews are Holocaust survivors. And, and the atmosphere around this place was pretty quiet. It was, uh, um, I mean, kind of like you'd expect. And so Friday afternoon, late toward, getting towards evening, we were sitting out in the lobby and we were playing hearts. It's a card game, if you're not familiar with it. A guy came by and almost got me beat up because he said poker. And uh, as I tried to translate, his, my German was bad enough that he got really mad because uh, it's a different story. Anyway, <laughs> I shouldn't say almost got me beat up because this 80-year-old guy was not going to beat me up, probably. But I think he was ready to try. Anyway, uh, um, so we're sitting there in the lobby in, as, as evening is coming on on Friday. And everything is quiet like you would expect at a retirement home uh, on, to, as evening approaches. And then all of a sudden, I forget what time it was, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, whatever it was, the clock hit that point and it, the place just exploded with people running around, smiling, yelling, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. And, and they're all, the phone rings, ring, ring, they pick it up, Shabbat Shalom. They don't, they don't do it quietly. Hello, Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> you know, they're yelling at the phone, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. And then they hang up, the rings again, someone else picks up, Shabbat Shalom. And they're, they're just having, it's like the Shabbat Shalom party. And the elevator opens up and people are coming off. And as they come off, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, and everybody's Shabbat Shaloming everybody in there. And, and, and the elevator, I was, I was uh, getting cleared up on this a few days, uh, I guess it was a week ago, about how it works is the elevator, see, to press the button on the elevator is work. And you can't do that because it's the Sabbath. Shabbat is Sabbath. And Shabbat Shalom is Sabbath peace. We're going to come back to that. Okay, so, so, uh, so, so the elevator just automatically runs all the time, down all the way, up all the way, and the door automatically opens at each 
opening. And, and more and more people are getting on the elevator. They're all coming down to the lobby, and they're all stepping out. Shabbat shalom! Shabbat shalom! And, and there was this huge Shabbat shalom party going. And we were sitting there just witnessing this kind of going, wow. <laughs> didn't know this was coming. We hadn't seen this before. We didn't, weren't warned about it. Anything like that, but we were in the right place. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and uh, when you think about this, uh, Shabbat Shalom means Sabbath peace. And you have survivors of the Holocaust looking at each other saying, Sabbath peace. And I, it, that drips with meaning. Uh, the Sabbath is the rest from our religious work or the rest from our work and a peaceful rest to you. And, and, and to these people who had had such horrible lives, such horrible pasts at least, the things they'd gone through, the things they'd experienced. And, and being Jewish, the, the, the whole element of the law, and I'm not saying these were all religious, you know, observant Jews, I don't know what they were, but, but uh, the, the, there's the whole element of works in that. And, and Shabbat Shalom was not uh, a comment on what was happening, it's like good morning. Now, I know, I'm one of those also who when someone says good morning, I say prove it, right? Uh, but but Actually, when we say good morning, we're giving someone a, a, you know, a wish for, for a good morning. It's like, good morning. I hope you have a good morning. It's, it's a nice thing to say. I don't care how bad your morning has been up to that point. Good morning. is Shabbat Shalom is like that. It's a wish for something good for you to receive. And, and it, is, it is a tremendous statement. So today, we're looking at blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Okay, the New Testament is written in Greek. And the Greek word for peace is Irene, or Irene. And if you meet a woman named Irene, her name means peace. You just go, hey, peace, baby. No, <laughs> don't do that. Uh, but but uh, that's what it, it's a pretty name. When, you know, it, it, it's, some names are, are just pretty in their meaning, you know, and, and Irene is, is, is peace. Uh, and so when, if you were to read your Greek New Testament, it would, I don't remember the word, I wrote it out somewhere. I'm not going to worry about trying to. Uh, Irene, mo, uh, Irene is is peace. Irene Moyoi is peacemakers. Okay, uh, and, and that's the word that we have. It's this Greek word, and the Greek word Irene that we translate as peace means essentially what our English word for peace means. But I'm not going to dwell on the Greek word for Irene for peace. I'm going to dwell on the Hebrew word because Jesus was a Jew. And he was speaking to a Jewish audience. And he was speaking in their native language, whether it was Hebrew or Aramaic, whatever it was. I am totally confident the word he used was shalom. shalom blessed are the shalom makers. And shalom is a really, really rich word. It is so much more than just peace. Peace is a relative term, right? Uh, it, it keeps the, the English word peace I'm talking about. Uh, it, it keeps the same general meaning, but it changes with context as you go. For instance, peace can mean you're not at war, right? Uh, there was a war between the states. There was a declaration of peace, right? There was no more war. Does that mean everybody felt peaceful? <laughs> you know, there were some people who may have gone, oh, it's over. Maybe a whole lot of people, but there are a lot of people who may have held on to bitterness and hatred and anger, 
right? Uh, and, and so there was peace in the sense that there was no more war, but it doesn't mean there was no, there was true peace. You could be, have peace, be, but still be on the verge of war. That's not the, the but it's typic, typically peace. Peace may mean that you have been forced to surrender. You didn't want to, but the situation is such that you're forced to surrender even though you don't want to. It might mean you're not fighting with someone on a personal level. We've made peace. It might mean a lull and a hectic day. Oh, I have a minute of peace, right? Uh, peace might mean a sense of complete and utter tranquility. Now, by the way, of those definitions, which do you want? Yeah, that last one sounds really nice. Complete and utter tranquility. It's just like... Anybody see the cartoon on the back of the bulletin? Should we just put that into practice right now? No. <laughs> okay. Now, if you are at open war, you will settle for any peace you can get, right? Uh, I, I, it's not simply, simply, simply not being in danger of being shot at or bombed is enough for you to be satisfied right now, if you are at open war. When I was a kid, it's interesting, I, I did a little research on the history of the, the USS Missouri, or Missouri, depending on where you're from. Uh, and and uh, I, when I was a kid, I, I was in Bremerton, Washington, which is where, at that time, the, the Missouri was uh, mothballed. It later was put back into active service, and now it's in Hawaii. If you want to see it, you have to go to Hawaii. But, but the, the USS Missouri is called the most uh, historic ship in the American fleet. And, and what happened was, one of the things that happened there was the, the, the peace treaty with Japan was signed on the quarterdeck of, of the USS Missouri. And so as a child, I went there and I saw that spot. And I went, yawn, I want to see the guns. Because <laughs> you know, I wasn't interested in where a peace treaty was signed. I wanted to see the cannons. And they had them all plugged. I'm going, well, what's the fun of that? Uh, but uh, that, you know, being a child. Uh, and, and when Japan signed that peace treaty, that was an unconditional treaty. Meaning Japan didn't get to say, well, we're, we're, we will surrender, but here are our conditions. We're going to lay down. It will uh, sign a treaty so long as you do this, this, and this. It was an unconditional treaty, and they were glad. I know glad is a relative term, too. They were glad to sign it, it was because it meant peace. They just had two of their major cities bombed out of existence, right? They said, we will sign that treaty, right? Uh, because they did not want to have a third city bombed out of existence. They recognized we need to make peace. And it's not, it's not the kind of peace we nat naturally aspire to, but it was the peace they would accept. Okay? Let's take it to another level. If you are a mom with small children, wouldn't you like a half hour? <laughs> Some of you moms, yeah, I thought of you when I... <laughs> Cat sitting there going, oh. <laughs> yeah, just, just a half hour. An uninterrupted bath. <laughs> Imagine that. Okay, shalom is more than that. Right? Shalom is more than that. Shalom, here's my definition of peace that I came across. Peace in this case means much more than a mere absence of war. Rather, completeness. You go, wow, peace means completeness? Yeah, because it's going to more than just a surface peace. We're not talking about surface peace, peace on the surface. We're talking about a deep, abiding peace. Completeness, wholeness, harmony, fulfillment, are closer to the meaning. 
Implicit in shalom is the idea of unimpaired relationship with others and fulfillment in one's undertaking. Wow. That's more than what we normally think of as peace, isn't it? But it gets to the core of all the things that disrupt our peace. All the things that disrupt our peace. Completeness, wholeness, harmony, fulfillment are closer to the meaning. Uh, Implicit is the idea of unimpaired relationship with others and fulfillment in one's undertaking. Okay, it goes on, it says, entering into a state of wholeness and unity, a restored relationship. Peace. And more, more than what we normally think of as peace, this is a deep peace. This is a peace at the roots. The the, uh, pervading peace through everything. Shalom is things being made the way they should be with all the emotion and satisfaction that goes with that because it is an emotion word. And I don't, as I discuss these other things, we don't want to take that emotion out of this understanding of what it means. All of that is what, shalis, uh, what, what shalom means. So then, what did Jesus mean when he said, blessed are the peacemakers? Right? Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Probably a whole lot of what we've seen, and I want to say plus one. Uh, he probably wasn't, by the way, he probably wasn't referring to people who make peace between two warring nations. Right? Blessed are those guys too, but I don't think that's what he was talking about. Because he's talking about, he's talking to the typical person from the Sea of Galilee area, you know, the Galilean region. He's talking to normal people in normal situations, and he's telling them, blessed are the peacemakers. He's not telling them, go out and make peace between the Romans and the Parthians or something like that. He's, he's saying, uh, you know, he's saying, blessed are the peacemakers, and he's talking about real life situations for those people as they can make peace. Uh, but to make peace between brothers. Peace between friends who've been fighting. To give mom that half hour, right? All of those things. uh, And not just to get them to stop fighting, but to help them achieve that sense of satisfaction that everything is right. I remember uh, once I was having a a very serious disagreement with an individual, a man, and it was a deep theological disagreement, uh, and it it wasn't something we could just ignore because... Uh, it had to do with directions this church was going to take and uh, what we were going to teach and do. And, and, and it, it got kind of heated, and his wife tried to make peace. And she came to me on his behalf, not on his behalf, separate from him. She, I don't think he knew she was coming. But she says, I think you, you guys are really, I think it's just semantics. I think you're really saying the same thing in different ways. She was trying to make peace by making the issue seem like it wasn't an issue. And I remember telling her, no, this is not semantics. We have been very clear. (laughs) We we have not uh, been unclear about our positions, and we are on very different sides of of these issues. But she wanted to make peace, but it would have been a surface-level peace. It would not have been a real peace. That is not peacemaking. It's not peacemaking to simply stop two people from punching each other. Right? Now, that's better than doing nothing, <laughs> I think. Uh, but but uh, it, that's not the peacemaking we're talking about. We're talking about peacemaking at the core, where it means restored relationships brought into fulfillment and completeness and wholeness and all those things. It, it is more than simply a surface peace. It is a deep abiding peace. Okay, so all of those things are, are what we have. And then I said, so, so that's what it means when he said, blessed are the peacemakers. But I, I, have a, I said plus one, plus one to make peace between God. God and man. 
Because God and man are not at peace in a natural situation. So I'm going to go to Romans chapter 5. We're going to do a little bit more flipping around eventually. We'll also find ourselves in Colossians 1, which, or 2, I don't remember what it is, actually says what I want to say, uh, Colossians 1, a little bit better. But I want to start with Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you have to catch something with that. What, do you mean I wasn't already at peace with God? I wasn't already at peace with God? And the answer is no, no you weren't. See, people try, to, try to, people try to give God the terms and say, I am at peace with God. But what we find is we are not naturally at peace with God because we are naturally sinners. We, are naturally, we naturally put ourselves on the throne and say, I will do what I believe is best. I will set the rules. I will set the standards. And according to my standards, I will live. And God has to be settled, satisfied with that. And it's, it's not the way it works. Uh, we, we need to be at peace with God, and only Jesus, therefore, having been justified by faith in Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. He is the one who gives us that access to peace with God. Only Jesus is able to, to do that. Only Jesus was able to die on a cross to pay for our sins. There was, there's a penalty for our sins. Uh, the wages of sin is death right? That price had to be paid, and Jesus paid it on our behalf. And we cannot even pay it for ourselves because that death is eternal death. And in dying for us, he paid that price for us. We're not naturally at peace with God. Jesus did it. What we have the ability to do is introduce people to it. I, I, I can't save you. N uh, uh, nobody else can save you, but we can introduce you to the Savior, and in doing so, uh, as, as someone finds Jesus Christ and turns to, them as, to him as their Savior, they have made peace with God. And we are peacemakers at that price. Uh, and, I, and, and while that may not have been clear, part of what Jesus was saying, Jesus is the great peacemaker between God and man. And, and it's implied in what he said when he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So, blessed are the people who help bring real peace to others, okay? Uh, by the way, I, there's something else in there. There's, there's another element of peace that I didn't have in there. So, there's peace with, with your brother. There's peace with your enemy. There's peace with God. You know what else there is? God can give you, some of you are, are just going to say, oh, I can't believe it. I need it. Some of you may know exactly what I'm going to say, <laughs> Some of you may say, really? God can give you peace with yourself, right? You can have peace with yourself. And some of you know what it means to struggle within yourself all the time, to never be satisfied, to never be pleased, to never be good enough, to always be struggling with guilt or resentment or, or, or whatever it is. And God can give you peace with yourself. And I'm not talking about... I, 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 I do not do therapy. <laughs> I'm a lousy counselor. You come to me for counsel, I say, here's your problem, deal with it, <laughs> uh, if I see it. Uh, if I don't, I say, I don't know what to do, sorry. Um, I'm a lousy counselor, but, uh, so I'm not speaking therapeutically, he gives you peace with yourself. Uh, you know, the, the modern version of therapy says, accept yourself as you are, forgive yourself. And I'm going, you don't have the ability to forgive yourself. You're not the person you've offended. 
You've offended someone else. You've offended God. Only God, you cannot forgive yourself for what you have for offending God. God can forgive you for that. Okay, but listen to what I said. God can forgive you for that. <laughs> and, and all those things that steal your peace can be fixed by turning to him. Okay, uh, and asking him for forgiveness, admitting that you've sinned. All these things are part of being peace. So what does it mean to make peace? I mean, that's what we're talking about, peace being. What does it mean to make peace? I want to tell you, there is a price to be paid to make peace. So when I was a kid, lots of fights. Shared stories about some of my little fighting. You know, I was, I was a natural bully target. I, I had short blonde hair, probably short like this sometimes. She got a little bit carried away. <laughs> and, and it's blonde, and the black glasses, those of you who've been in the military, birth control glasses, right? <laughs> For those of you who don't get it, don't know what that means, I, you know, uh, believe me, they keep the girls away. <laughs> That's what they're called. Uh, and, 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 you know, I looked like, you know, anybody know Sherman and Peabody, the cartoon Sherman and Peabody? Another thing about the military, just so you know, when I was in basic training, they called me Peabody. And I said, why? They said, because you look like that kid on, on Peabody and Sherman show. I said, the kid is Sherman. Peabody's the dog. <laughs> Shows you something about the military mind. But <laughs> anyway, uh, when you look like that, when you're small and have blonde hair and black glasses, you're a bully target. Now, you add that to my mom who said, be tough. Don't let anybody push you around. And she taught us to fight. Okay? I got in a lot of fights as a little kid. But the only time I ever got my nose broke <laughs> was trying to interrupt a fight. <laughs> I had one friend was going to punch another friend, and I stepped between and said, whoa, calm down. <laughs> and then I was picking myself up off the ground, and my nose was over here. <laughs> and at that point, I was too late for a fight. <laughs> it, was, it was like I did make peace between those two. There's a price to be paid for making peace. You can pay a price. You can get hurt making peace. You, will ha you may have to suffer for making peace. Making peace is not easy because we're not making fake peace. We're not making surface peace. We're making real peace. It means you have to deal with the issues and fix the real problems. Making peace is not easy. First thing, you have to understand the problem. Okay? You have to deal with the people who feel justified in their anger and resentment and so on. You have to talk about those things. You have to work it through. Think of the price Jesus paid to make peace between man and God. Right? He looked at us. He says, there is no peace. Romans 5.1, we have peace with him. I said there's a better verse, Colossians 1.20. I'm going to turn there real quick. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 1.20. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Okay? Having made peace through the blood of his cross to reconcile all things to himself. That's the price he had to pay. That's what it took to reconcile. We're going to see that word reconcile again a little more because we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we'll talk about reconciliation a little bit more. But he did this. He made peace through the blood of his cross. That's the price he paid to make peace between God and man because he's making real peace. He's not making pretend peace. He's not making surface peace. Peace. He's not saying. He's not saying. Let's just pretend we have peace and call it. I'll call it nice, right? He makes peace between God and man. He he paid a price to do it. Real peacemaking 
uh, fixes problems. Fake peacemaking doesn't fix problems. There is a price to making peace because you're making true peace. Uh, and true peace doesn't mean you've stopped violence, but you've solved issues. Okay, I come home. It's a shocking thing to find. You may not believe this could happen in my house, but I come home and the kids are fighting over toys. Okay? Okay, all of you dads. May, prob probably a bunch of you are better dads than I ever thought about being. So, so maybe I shouldn't say all of you dads, but I walk in, I say, okay, and I grab the toy. Stop fighting over this toy. And I put it up. Okay. Now, what has happened is I have given myself peace. <laughs> I now get to sit down, and the kids are quiet, and I'm going, oh, man, I'm good at that. <laughs> but have I, have I actually solved a problem? Okay, what have I done? I have taught them, don't do that when Papa's coming home. Okay. But I don't bother finding out who's right or who's wrong. I just make them stop. And I make peace for me, but not for anyone else. And, and it can cause resentment. And it can cause frustration. It can cause a sense of defeat. I don't know if you noticed, yesterday I was trying to do better. <laughs> uh, for a day, I tried to be a better, wiser Papa. Uh, but in, in doing that, I, I make peace for myself, but I haven't solved any real issues. Real, peace, real peacemaking brings shalom, right? Agreement, fulfillment, right? It's not a forced handshake between two people who walk around waiting for the next time they meet because they're going to fix it then. It, it, is, it is a true, lasting peace where the issues uh, are fixed and relationships are restored. That's real peace. Real peacemaking takes time. It takes effort. It takes concern. You have to care. It takes wisdom. And that's where some of us have problems. And the issues are because the issues that take away peace are real. Now, sometimes they're not. Sometimes we imagine an offense, right? In which case, the problem is a thin skin <laughs> that too quickly jumps to assumptions. But, but, but very often, the, the issues that take peace away are real. And so in order to make peace, we have to, we have to delve in. We have to do the work uh, to make it, make it coming. Uh, the, 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 there are real or perceived offenses, at least on one side, possibly, probably on both sides. Uh, it, it takes us to, to why there's a price to be paid to making peace, because to, to deal with real issues takes a real cost and a real effort and real work. And sometimes our people are simply in denial and pretending they have peace, and they're ignoring the truth. And, and one of the greatest mistakes people make is to say, I am at peace with God, when they are not at peace with God. Okay? They lay out their terms, and they say, uh, based on my terms, I'm at peace with God. Here's what I think God should accept, and based on that, uh, I'm okay, and, and so I am at peace with God. Do they think they're the victors? Uh, me versus God, and I won. Doesn't doesn't work that way. You can you can try, you can pretend, but but you are the one who, whether you want to or not, are going to find yourself in unconditional surrender, according to his terms, at his price, at his expense. Uh, you're you're not the victor between you and God, right? Uh, you don't get to do that. We, we are we are not the victors. We are the offenders. We are the instigators. We are delusional if we think we can get to tell God the terms by which He will let us into heaven. It's not going to happen. But Jesus paid the price to give us peace with God, right? We have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. That ruins our peace. 
our peace with God. Okay, Jesus made peace by the blood of the cross. He paid the debt that we owe God and gives us that peace we never had. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Or you can wait and just trust me not to lie. <laughs> I'm going to pervert. No, I'm not. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. Talks not just about peace, but about a job God has given us to do. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them. And he has committed to us the, the word of rec reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg of you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So reconciled is, is a, an accounting term. It's a technical term. You, you, if you balance your checkbook, and I say if, because I think more and more people don't, <laughs> you just trust the bank. That's just wrong. <laughs> uh, but you just, anyway, you, because you never know how much you have. You reconcile the checkbook, you get this statement, and it tells you how much the bank thinks you have and how much you think, you, or you compare it to what, how much you think you have. And then you, you look at the checks that have been written and the deposits that have been made. And when it's done, you have a balance that's left. And when it's reconciled, all the math is it agrees and works. And the, and the ledger is correct, okay? Uh, to make peace with God, our ledger before him must, be, that must balance, right? Here are our sins, all of our deductions, all the checks that we write. And over here is the payment that makes it right. And people tend to think that my good deeds go over on that side. But, but the Bible says all our all our Righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken them away. We are as an unclean thing. It's Isaiah 65, 6, I think. 64, 6. Thank you, Awana people. <laughs> uh, and uh, that, that's, what, that's what our righteousnesses are like. They don't even go on to that side that, that, that pays the debt. What does is Jesus' blood. Jesus' blood goes over there and pays that debt. And when God looks at us, if you have Jesus Christ, he looks and he sees Jesus' payment there and he says they are covered and more than covered. And if he does not see Jesus' blood there, he says they are not covered. It's, it's that complicated uh, in, in a very real, it's a cold-hearted cold way to explain it until you recognize all the love that went into putting that blood on that side and the sacrifice that he made to make peace, right? The reconciled, the accountant's ledger shows the payment is made and we owe no more. And he says, we beg you, we beg you, be reconciled to God, okay? Accept Jesus as your savior, trust him alone. Him, him when I say him alone, it's, it's him, not, not Jesus and, not Jesus and my good works. Because uh, there's a whole lot of people who think Jesus gives you a fresh start, and from that point, if I'm good enough, I can go to heaven. No, it's Jesus only. It's Jesus only. We do not earn our salvation. Uh, he gives it to us. He is our great peacemaker. Uh, Jesus paid that price to give us peace with God. We are called to be peacemakers. Now, we can't do what Jesus did. We can introduce them to Jesus, but in our own small way, we can be peacemakers. But we don't do it on a surface. We have to do it for real, for it to be real. Okay, and then we get to the reward. They will be called sons of God, right? Uh, sons of God. The son is like the father. You, you know the phrase, the apple didn't fall far from the tree or chip off the old block? 
right? We have phrases that say that kind of thing. And usually, I shouldn't say usually, either we're saying something like, what a good kid, Apple didn't fall from the far, far from the tree. We say, oh, yeah, Apple didn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> you know, it, can, it can mean a positive or a negative, depending on how it goes. But we're saying the son is like the father. That's what we're meaning when we say it. He said, so when he says they will be called sons of God, he's saying they will be like God, their father. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be like him. When we are peacemakers, we are doing what Jesus did and we're doing what his father did. He saw people that had no peace, and he intervened and made peace for them. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes you walk away from a, a sermon and you go, I don't know if I'll ever have opportunity to apply that in my life. That, that, that may fit somewhere. It doesn't fit here. Guess what? You will have ample opportunity in your, in your life to uh, help bring peace. I, I like to say bring peace instead of make peace because, like I said, we can't make it happen. We can, we can present it. But how far do you have to go in this world to find strife? And how easy is it when you find strife to, instead of making peace, to add to the problem? <laughs> it's so much more fun to add fuel to the fire, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, that's, that's where the joy... No, it's not. Uh, you will have opportunity. There is no shortage of strife in this world. There is no shortage of a lack of peace in this world. If you are a peacemaker at, what, at whatever level, from, from a little boy and a little girl or two little boys fighting over something to, to grown-ups over big issues to church, church controversy to people who need Jesus Christ as their Savior. Opportunity is out there. Be a peacemaker at whatever level you find yourself with the opportunity to do it. Uh, and in a small way, you'll be like God, and it will be a blessing for you, it will be a blessing to you, and it will be a blessing for those around you as you do that. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, I ask that we have, personally, that we have that Shabbat Shalom, that we have uh, a blessed peace, that we have a rest from our works, that we are able to rest in you with a true and deep and meaningful peace. And Father God, I ask that we be bringers of that peace, that we spread it that, Father, we will be contagious with peace that is spread to each other and be, be bringers of blessing. I ask in Jesus' name.